0: And welcome to that international life stories from around the world, but mostly from Poland. Today, our special guest is Kev Barton, but he's not in Poland. He is currently in England, right? Kev, I am indeed. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of silly because uh, last weekend I um, I was with you at your your house um, with your wife, and we didn't have time to record. So. <laughs> <laughs> um but it inspired me and so now here we are we're kind of doing the uh you know remote re- recording yeah, yeah, yeah so but you've been gracious enough to spend more time and another weekend uh recording or you know hanging out and talking but um when i was uh with you and spending some time there um i didn't really get to know you before because i met your wife who was teaching in poland for 2 years and then um when she moved back to England, I met you a few times, but it was always a big group, and so yes. you guys had invited uh, my roommate and I to come visit sometime, and we were able to spend the weekend with you. And as I was visiting with you, I was so impressed because um, as the more we talked, I was like, "Man, you've done everything, every sort of job, and you, you know, lived all kinds of places." And you know, I thought it would be pretty great to have have you on the podcast. So okay. Thank you. Yeah, so I think that it would be cool to start with. Because, um, like I said, we, you were working all over the place. What are some of the jobs or work that you've done in the past?
1: Well, uh, my my uh, my career basically started as an electrical engineer. I I started uh, back in the dull days of the nineteen seventies, and uh, mm. I uh, did an apprenticeship in electrical engineering um, and. Uh, uh, going back a long time, uh, even right back to the beginning of my uh, childhood, as such, um, I had an interest in childhood because I was born um, without any sight, oh, and wow. uh, as a result of that, uh, I, I got to play. I got to learn to play about with sound, and I loved playing about with things that made a noise or things that made music or something like that, and uh, so. I developed this idea when I uh, finished my electrical engineering apprenticeship and I decided that I wanted to study um, messing and manipulating sound. And so I I signed myself on to a correspondence degree course and uh, did a a degree course in uh, sound engineering.
0: Oh, man. Wow, that's really cool. Actually, that answers like five of the questions I had next, so that's <laughs> great. This is going to be a great interview. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask one question, you answer five. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, um, so um, I didn't realize, and we didn't talk about that, that you were born without sight, but you can see now. So what happened there?
1: Um, well, I was, uh, I was born back in uh, 1961, and uh, uh, I was born with septicemia. Uh-huh. And I, um, I was in hospital for the first 11 months of my life And I came out of hospital uh, being unable to see That's all I know about it Oh wow! Uh, I know nothing else as to why that, why that should be But it was put down to this septicemia that I'd lost my eyesight And it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a physical problem with my eyes It was an, a nerve problem that was linking my eyes to my brain uh-huh. And um, we... I I had over the course of my childhood uh, very little time in school and and an awful lot of time in hospital.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, And um, by the time I was uh, uh, going to secondary school or ready to go to secondary school at the age of 11, um, I'd already had in the region of about 28 operations on my eyes. Wow.
0: Um,
1: And it was only in 1969 where a neurosurgeon did an operation on my eyes. He did an operation on both of my eyes at the same time, um, with the idea that he thought he could make it, make me able to see again. And I came out of that operation with vision in my right eye, but I still have no vision in my left eye now. Oh, wow. And, uh, as a result of that, I, uh, I can see, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's quite amazing when you, when you've not been able to see at all. And, uh, You've come up with all these ideas as to to, uh, how things work and whatever, how things are. Um, And one of the most strange things to to deal with is is colour. Because people say to us that, uh, okay, um, a tree has green leaves and it's got a brown trunk and it stands in some black earth or whatever. Well, when you've not, it's only green because somebody's told you it's green and you associate it with the colour green that you've been told. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've never seen what green is, your brain sort of works out a different idea of okay, green. We'll, give, we'll allocate it that. We'll allocate that. And uh, if anybody says something's green, in my mind, that's what it is. finished um, now. Can
0: go back to your chair. Okay, thank
1: you. <laughs> um, and uh, as a result of that, uh, it's. Um, uh, I, I used to think that, that trees. Uh, had green, uh, had these purple leaves, oh, wow. and they, uh, they were sort of, um, uh, uh, I had brown, sort of nearly sort, but it was quite fascinating when I got to uh, got to be able to see, and I had to learn again what colours were, and what things things were. You saw everything by touching it, oh, wow. and that's how that's how you dealt with it. So that's going back as far as uh, as far as uh, my eyesight uh, was concerned. I got I regained. Uh, what a sight I, I ha, now have in 1969.
0: Mm. And so you were. You said you were 11 when you you were able to see.
1: Uh, I was actually I was nine.
0: Okay, but still that's a pretty you know significant age. It's not like you know you're two and then you kind of remember th- what it was. No, like no, before. It's, uh,
1: I I, re- I certainly remembered. Um, I remembered uh, uh, being unable to see. I remember learning to read Braille. I, re- I remember to, that, uh, uh, as I say, sound was a big thing to me. I used to sit for hours playing records on my dad's record player, um, in case anybody doesn't know what records are. they're, <laughs> they're big black things. Um, I used to sit for hours playing for that and I wanted to, I wanted to to, to make music. I, I loved to make music, and I mm. learned to play uh, the keyboard uh, by ear um, and uh, I learned to play the guitar. And a couple of other bits and pieces as well, but I don't. Uh, um, I didn't read music at that stage.
0: Wow, yeah, that would be kind of difficult to to read music with braille or something when you're using yes. It. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: But so uh, yeah, it's. It, it, uh, I think it gives me a good grounding in life, to be honest, and uh, it, it stops uh, stops you you um, getting uh, like too familiar with things, and uh, it and makes you quite content with what you've got. And although I don't, I don't even now don't have perfect sight, um, I'm very um, grateful for the sight that I have. And uh, it's made a a tremendous difference to my life.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And what was one of the, I guess, the biggest surprises when you could see? You said color, obviously. Was there something else like what someone looked like that really shocked you?
1: Well, uh, no, it didn't shock me as such. I I thought at that stage, uh, I'm... I'd sussed out what my, uh, what my mother looked like because uh, you, you, you see visually by touching mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you work out what it's... And I could tell that it was my mum. But I hadn't that it's 100% correct. And uh, it's like, uh, I suppose, when uh, when you're listening to the radio and your favourite DJ's on and whatever, you sort of form this picture in your mind yeah. as to what this person might be like. And when you can be uh, either elated or totally disappointed when you see people.
0: <laughs> Actually, I just did that today. I was listening to a podcast that I've listened to forever, and I was like, you know what, I wonder what he looks like. And I looked him up, and I was like, he doesn't look like what I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Darn it. But uh,
1: I can only thank you that, that, that this isn't a video call, to be honest.
0: Oh, well, I, that's why I don't do a video uh, podcast, because I don't want to be videotape or, you know, on the on the recording or having to, you know. Get all dressed up or something. Yeah, yeah. I'll avoid that. That's why I've always loved radio and the the ability to be able to listen and um, you know have have something in your head while you're doing other things and just the the ability and the the how far audio can go. It's pretty amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you took this course and um, you ended up like what did you end up doing? What kind of jobs did you start doing? Well.
1: I I said I trained as an electrical engineer and I was working as an electrical engineer um, and I um, decided to uh, apply to get on this degree course which I I managed to do. It was a correspondence degree course so I was working while I was doing it. So it was a case my day started around about 5 o'clock in the morning. I did some study uh, for a while um, and then I would um, go to work for 8 o'clock, work through till 5 o'clock and uh, I'd go home and do some more study. And wow. uh, if it was practical stuff that I had to be doing, uh, IG, uh, e.g. either making sound or manipulating sound, mm-hmm. I would do that in the evening and say, waking the rest of the house up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's nice. so considerate.
1: Yeah, I have to try.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then you ended up, um, it's not, from what you told me, touring uh, and working with bands. How did that come about?
1: Uh, well, my uh, At the end of the, the three-year course, uh, it was compulsory that you had to do a tour with somebody. Either you could find somebody to do a, um, a tour with mm-hmm. or um, uh, the, the college or the, uh, the university would find you and a, a allocate you somebody. Uh, well, I, I happened to have a, a contact who worked with uh, a gentleman, whose birthday it is today, by the way, oh. uh, called Cliff Richards.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And um, I, I sent a. Uh, I got some information off him, and I sent a letter uh, to Cliff and his his management team and asked if I could do a, a gospel tour with them. Um, I, I knew that uh, they were coming up to do a um, a three month uh, gospel tour, and that was going to be a European gospel tour, and so that's what I I ended up doing.
0: Ah, uh-huh. well, happy birthday, Cliff. That, we mm. got to get that out of the way. <laughs> Um. yeah and then you so from there you continued to work with bands or the same yeah I, happened?
1: I, what I did I was self employed at this time because I'd left the company who, who I'd worked with and trained with because, um, because I wanted to be able to get away and go and do um, some sound work when I could get sound work and then I, I wanted to come back uh, and if I needed to, to raise a bit of cash I'd rewire a house or whatever I could do to raise a bit of cash so I could go and uh, sign on with an agency, a sound recording agency, and see whether they had any other bands I could go with. Mm-hmm. And over the course of um, really uh, the course of the 1980s, I, I toured with uh, a number of bands. Um, I ended up uh, all over the world uh, doing bit, various bits and pieces. It was uh, a real pleasure to be to do and a real delight to to be involved in. Uh, but it was hard work, and it was it was graft. It was uh, a long long day. so if you look at my passport, it shows you that i 've been to so many places in the world yeah. uh, but uh, most of those places I saw in ma- mo- mostly darkness wow because uh, we were, we would tour um in on a bus, and uh, our, our day would be basically we would arrive at wherever we were going to do a gig for that particular night. We'd arrived there about one o'clock, half past one at the latest. We then had four hours really to set the kit up to uh, get the stage uh, erected, get the lighting done, get the sound done. And it was a very much a team effort. And uh, then we would have a um, a sound check around about half past five to make sure that everything was OK, the light and the sound were synced together and uh, everything was working. Um, and... Uh, then we'd have a couple of hours where we were just kicking it around, really, having something to eat and whatever. Then we'd do the concert. Uh, the concert would finish around about uh, half past ten, quarter to eleven at the latest. We'd rip it all to bits, put it back in huh. its boxes, put it back in its lorry, and then we'd get on a bus and go to the next one. Wow. Um, and uh, it was good fun. I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, the thing was that uh, you couldn't, when you'd finished doing all that de-rigging at the end of the concert, you were sort of... High on adrenaline and quite got quite a buzz about you. Yeah. Uh, so you couldn't go couldn't go to bed at a sort of normal time. It would be getting on for two o'clock by the time we'd finished uh, the actual uh, work anyway. And so we'd get on the bus about two o'clock and we would really need two to three hours to to calm down and just get ourselves sorted out. So we'd we'd eat and we'd uh, we'd have a uh, a couple of drinks and whatever. And then we'd, we'd gradually just wind down with a couple of games of cards or Monopoly or something like that. And then about mm-hmm. five o'clock, we'd go to bed. Wow. And then we'd, we'd sleep through till about uh, half past ten, quarter to eleven, something like that. We'd get up, we'd have a shower on the bus, re- more or less ready to arrive at the next gig at around about one o'clock, half past
0: one. Wow. Wow, that sounds just monotonous in a way. Well, it,
1: yes, it was. It was, uh, was very much a routine. And uh, it was a routine that we knew worked, but it was uh, it was hard work. There was there was lots of hard graft in it, and it's something that is uh, primarily is a young person's game, I'd say. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, did you um, during that time did you ever have any um, big major problems like sound just kind of fell apart or you know what?
1: It's funny you should ask that. Really, there was uh, didn't have uh, it was a major problem at at the time, and uh, this particular concert was actually in in England, and it was at Wembley Arena, and um, the whole concert was was started. It was a a concert with Billy Joel, and uh, there was um, the whole thing was filled. The stage was filled with um, smoke with uh, dry ice. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was It started with these uh, synth pads in the background Just a synth noise building up and up and up uh, Billy Joel was uh, On this piano Which raised out of the stage Yeah And the whole concert was due to start With a, with a uh, thunderous kick drum And it was three beats On this this kick drum We tested it, we knew it worked, it was fine When When it worked It was a thunderous physical noise Yeah and um we, uh, we, uh, we the the drummer was kicking this drum, and we got we got a dull, dull sort of thing, nothing. so the concert was was not going to start without this happening. and I ended up uh, sort of commando style crawling on my belly out up from the side of the stage uh, to swap the microphone on the drums. Uh, and then I just put my thumbs up to the uh, to the technician at the, at the back who could just about see me for the smoke and then we kicked the drum and we were away.
0: Wow. And it worked. Everything worked. It worked.
1: It worked, yeah. It just that, uh, the the uh, and the diaphragm and the microphone probably broke it about to fire kicking and whatever it did had to put up with over over the time, but no we don't.
0: Wow! So, did uh, you actually make it off the stage before he started kicking, or did you have to crawl while the concert? I, know I had to crawl
1: out, I had to crawl out the way as well. That's um, well, that was that was not not a problem. I, I was behind the main PA, so the, the actual thunderous noise is not too not too drastic.
0: To oh, me. good! <laughs> you weren't shaken yeah. off the stage. No,
1: but, uh, I say really, even at the back of the uh, Wembley Arena, you would feel the kick of this drum smack you in the stomach. Wow. With the with the actual power of the PA system,
0: yeah. So for sure, you can't start the concert without that.
1: No, it's it's uh, um, it, it all uh, it revolved around that happening. That was what that was what set everything off in motion. Oh man! Because the lights and uh, the lights and the sound are, um, are midi-ed together, mm-hmm. so that the whole thing actually works together. Uh-huh. And so um, the the lights react to the sound as well. So uh, it's all pla- it's all programmed long beforehand.
0: Well, wow, that's pretty. If it,
1: if it doesn't work, it doesn't work,
0: <laughs> and then you have to crawl out on stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something's going. Well, get... I would
1: say that's probably the most drastic thing that's ever happened. But we did, I mean, we we obviously had a, had a few issues here and there, whatever, odd bit of feedback or whatever. But we can you can soon deal with that.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's not the major the major start of the concert. No. Yeah. So, um, what was one of your favorite uh, tours or moments? I guess in that time.
1: Uh, hard to say, really, because I wouldn't want to. wouldn't want anybody to be listening to this and who who thought that oh, so I, uh, I've favoured one over the other. I, I worked with some uh, very good bands. I worked with some very, very talented and very nice people, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and there were there were some bands that I worked with, and to be honest, they weren't that brilliant. <laughs> and the problems with the the people who aren't that brilliant is that they actually quite, normally quite think that they're brilliant.
0: Uh-oh. And
1: um, they're, they're the people who are hard to work for. They're the pe- people who are hard to work with. The people who know that they're good. Um, and uh, uh, they're, they're perfectionists. They, they know what they want. And if you give them what they want, they're very happy people. Mm. Um, it's the people who actually don't know what they want um, and are continually altering what they, what they, they think they want uh, who make life difficult.
0: Yeah that that would be that can be really frustrating you'd see that. Yeah. Well that's really neat and so you said Billy Joel and you said I think you told me when I was there Genesis you also toured with?
1: Yeah, I did uh, did some work with Genesis, did some work with Dire Straits and um I uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was good fun. It was it was over the course of the 1980s really. It's a long time ago now. And mm-hmm. um it's not uh, not something I would want to be doing now. Although I still like playing about with sound and messing about with it.
0: Oh, I bet. Yeah. Nothing like sound and lighting and all that when it comes together. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. It works well, doesn't it? Yeah. it's, it's It made, makes such a big impact. So it can really make something exciting. Um, well, not to switch too much, but I want to get on to something else you mentioned that you did in your life. And that was you uh, worked with uh, chocolate. And so how, how did that come about? Fancy
1: <laughs> a, did... a woman asking about chocolate.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just, but I was just curious, like, I mean, how did that jump from, you know, I work with bands, I tour. It's, I...
1: Well, it, it's a very strange situation because uh, um, I, uh, I was touring uh, with, with the, the pop bands and I, uh, I did something drastic, really. I met, I met a girl um and that sort of put a lot of a kibosh on that because uh i i didn't feel that I, at that stage i could say well oh it's very nice to know you uh whatever but i'm going on an 18 month tour and mm-hmm. i'll see you when i get back i didn't think she'd be around when i got back um and so i altered what i did um i started working for local radio started working for uh the bbc here in, uh, in the uk and uh I, I did various radio shows. Um, I worked for three ra- three local BBC radio stations mm-hmm. uh, at, at Manchester, at uh, Lancashire, and at Radio Stoke. And I worked for a couple of independent lo- uh, local radio stations as well, which were at the time was Piccadilly Radio, and uh, also for a, um, a an outfit called Fortune uh, 1458. And that just gives you an idea of where they might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I did. I did that. Uh, but while I was doing that, I also had the idea that uh, my uh, my now wife, as it was, it was was uh, she was teaching at a college, and I, I knew that the, the um, people in the music department were interested in what I did, and um, I uh, I'd repaired a few instruments for them. They'd brought they brought a couple of keyboards. She'd brought a couple of keyboards home, and I'd fix them and. Uh, I'd sorted things out, and they were wanting a a sound technician to work for them Mm -hmm. and do some occasional teaching. So I I decided I'd do a a PGCE, which is a teaching qualification in the UK. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, um, I'd uh, apply and see whether they they would take me on to do this job. And I knew they wanted it. It was sort of... um, I'd worked for them before, i say, on the, the sort of side... And uh, although it was an interview with about uh, six or seven other people, um, it was uh, more or less uh sorted that I that I would get the job.
0: Aha. Uh-huh.
1: So I went teaching and I taught I taught at that particular college for uh, two and a half years. Um I was I, I maintained all the equipment and whatever and I also taught some music technology technology lessons.
0: We really? have um, Oh, I was gonna and say then, we haven't even gotten a chocolate now I, I, I you know now I know you were a teacher it just keeps going
1: <laughs> uh, yeah well we'll get to the chocolate in a minute here, I'm just so.
0: impressed like we now we're now you're teaching you know no
1: I then moved to a to a, uh, to a second my head of department actually at the, at the college moved to a new another college uh, and asked me if I'd go with him uh-huh. um, and so I went to a second college teaching music and um, my uh, my wife uh, was offered a job in Scotland, we, and we were living in just absolutely in Mountain, up, just outside Manchester at the time. And uh, she took this job in Scotland, which meant that obviously I would have to give up my jobs down in uh, in, in Blackburn, as it was at the time. And so we we in two thousand and five we moved up to Scotland, and I uh, my teaching qualification down here won't allow me to teach up there. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't an option, um, and I'd I'd had a bit of a hobby of, of making things, and uh, somebody had asked me at, w- at one stage, uh, could I make them some cakes? This was for a, 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 a sales evening. It was the idea was that it was going to be sold at a uh, sort of a sales evening, um, and I said, yeah, I'll make some cakes. That's not proper, problem. I can make cakes. And then she came uh, back to me about three weeks later, and she said. You don't know anybody who can make chocolates, do you? I said, it can't be that difficult. <laughs> so I said, I'll make some some chocolates if you want. Um, and it's far more difficult than you might imagine. <laughs> um, and I tried to make, also I could, I could melt chocolate, put it into bowls, but I couldn't get it out again.
0: <laughs>
1: and the reason for that is that uh, for chocolate to react properly, it needs to be what we call tempered. And, um if you got some what I used to refer to as bad tempered chocolate, it wouldn't come out of the molds oh. um, and so you have to you have to temper this chocolate and keep it you keep it on your side, and you are okay um so I found out the hard way that it wasn't quite as easy as, um uh, as I thought it might be. so I enrolled on a uh, on a course to uh, learn how to make chocolate <laughs> and I said to the guy it was going to be a twelve month course, and I said to the guy right at the beginning i said I this was in September. I said I need to be able to make some chocolates by Christmas <laughs> because I've told somebody I'll do it, <laughs> and so uh, he told me uh, over the course of a few weeks how to temper chocolate and how to make it so I could get it into a mold and get it out of a mold. And when when I could get it out of a mold, it was sort of uh, got sort of a mirror finish on it. It was really shiny type um, finish to it, and. Uh, decided that uh, I would try and make a little craft business out of this um, and just do, uh, sell them on things like farmers' markets or at craft fairs or at uh, food, uh, food fairs and that sort of thing. And so that's what, that's what I did. Um, and my idea was to um, do this as a partner. Because, um, and I had to get them back into school. And so, in between them going to school and coming home again, I would make these chocolates ready for the weekends to take them out and sell them.
0: Wow, wow! So, yeah, so you kind of fell into it. Um,
1: yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't really a plan. It was it was sort of a, it was more of a stumble than anything else.
0: <laughs> and did you finish the twelve month course?
1: Uh, I didn't actually finish the twelve month uh-huh. course, so because we moved. um, we moved in the July before I was due to finishing the September.
0: Uh-huh, I see.
1: So I didn't uh, didn't do the last couple of months of
0: it. But, you know, you learned how to temper chocolate. I learned,
1: so. how, I learned how to do it, and I don't think I would have learned a great deal more uh, after, um, uh, in those those uh, couple of months, that uh, I didn't learn in maybe some of it the hard way uh, while I was actually doing the job properly.
0: Yeah. And from there, you know, you, you said you started out small farmer's markets and food uh, fairs, but then you ended up actually opening a small business, right? Like kind of a coffee shop? Yeah,
1: that's right. We um, uh, we saw a, a lease available for a coffee shop. And uh, I um, uh, my wife is still working full time at this time, and I, I, I decided I'd take this lease on and open a coffee shop and still make the chocolates and sell them in the coffee shop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was a bit of a leap of faith in reality because I, although I, um, I'd l- I've learnt um, a long time ago how to bake and uh, make cakes and things like that, I wasn't a, a chef, I wasn't a cook or whatever, and uh, I had to... Uh, um, I ended up, up doing all of the cooking. I, wow. uh, I employed a couple of people to uh, do front of house. I did all of the cooking... And we did sort of light lunches, and uh, uh, we we did lots lo- lots of stuff around coffee and cakes and scones and things like that. Wow. But uh, it was, everything that was there, I made myself.
0: Wow, that's amazing! Oh. So, which uh, um, it it obviously was pretty successful because you kept it going for a while. It wasn't like you know somebody well, tasted we, your food and left and never came we back. It,
1: we had it. Um, we had that particular thing going uh, for just. Uh, about fifteen months in total. It wasn't as long as we uh, as we wanted it to be. We we signed a twelve month lease to start with, and then I signed a second twelve uh, month lease. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the the person who uh, I was had the lease with sold his entire business mm. um, uh, when about three months into my second year, mm. and with that. I ended up getting booted out uh, because uh, whoever wanted, whoever bought the business wanted to to use uh, to run the coffee shop themselves. Wow! Um, and so uh, he paid me the uh, the remainder of the money back that I paid him, and that was me out on my ear. Um, wow. And uh, I, I I moved from there, and we actually set up a, um, we took over a, a little food production factory. And we made it into sort of a, a chocolate visitor's center mm-hmm. where you could come and uh, and uh experience the idea of uh of chocolate making chocolate and having i could i run some little courses how to uh, to get people to do it and things like that as well so i uh, it was good uh that worked out well but then uh, again unfortunately and it, and it wasn't wasn't part of the planning um the, the little village that we uh, were in at that stage was just in, just uh, outside Elgin in yeah. Scotland, and uh, they built a bypass. Oh, no. So the vast majority of traffic that was coming through the village now didn't come through the village at all. It went round it. Oh, no. And uh, we were just about at the end of our first year's lease on there on that. And by this stage, uh, my wife was now, had given up work and she was working in the business as well. And we decided that it wasn't going to be worth keeping because um, uh, most of the people would, would never find it because it's been uh, bypassed. Wow! Uh, so we uh, gave up the lease on that, and then uh, just as we uh, gave that lease up, um, uh, we, I saw a shop that was for uh, lease in uh, Elgin Town Centre, oh, and uh, that enabled me to open primarily just a, a, a chocolate shop which i did uh all the chocolate that was made there i made um my wife did some uh of the accountancy and she did some of the um shopkeeping and looking after the, the the place and uh stock control and all that sort of stuff but i did i made everything that was there mm-hmm. um and uh, we did some pretty big things in the end we did lots of uh we came, uh, came down to London and did, did some uh, food fairs down in London, wow. and uh, we run this little shop. But we also uh, developed it, and we uh, I like the coffee. I'm a big coffee fan, as I, as I believe you are. <laughs> yes. um, so uh, I, I bought a commercial coffee machine, and we, we developed a, a, a coffee side to the business as well.
0: Wow, that's cool. It was
1: all done on takeaway coffee rather than sit in and, and drink it, though, because the, the shop wasn't big enough for that.
0: No one was allowed to stay. They had to go. No, they <laughs> had
1: to go. But they had to buy some chocolate first.
0: Yeah, chocolate and coffee and get out. Yeah. Enjoy the countryside. So when you... Um, you also did wedding cakes, right? From what the pictures yes, I saw.
1: It was... Uh, uh, that, again, was something I'd never, ever planned on doing. <laughs> uh, and um, But somebody... Uh, somebody saw what we did and said to us that you really should be making more of this chocolate and making more of uh, of it. Uh, and she thought the wedding market would be a good place for us to to, to look at. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there was also a particular woman who was getting married in in our church uh, at the time, and uh, she said that uh, uh, she asked me if I would make them their, their wedding cake. Uh, well, I've never felt so much pressure in my life oh, to be I honest. Bet. Because uh, uh, making the cake is one thing, transporting it to the wedding is a totally different thing altogether. Yeah, uh, but probably more nerve wracking.
0: Yeah, I can't even um, imagine.
1: So uh, yeah, we um, we did that, we did that, and believe it or not, um, we moved to Scotland, and uh, pretty soon after we moved to Scotland, we were making wedding cakes. And one of the first wedding cakes we made was for somebody who was living in Wigan, which is down near Manchester, where I'd just come from. <laughs> and I had to drive from Elgin, 420 miles, to Wigan to drop this wedding cake off. Wow.
0: So did you just actually, like, uh, assemble the wedding cake once you once you got there? or Well, it, dep-
1: it was dependent on what, ta- what type of cake it was, this yeah. particular cake. Was, was pre assembled and, and boxed and uh, had to come down in one piece. And I was a nervous wreck drive, driving down the, uh, the oh, A9 I the motorways because I'm thinking to myself, all I need is a car, a tractor, a motorbike to pull out in front of me. I mm-hmm. have to put the brakes on and I've got a, a box full of crumbs.
0: Oh man, that would be and, uh, a very stressful drive. It wouldn't
1: be ideal going to somebody's wedding, would it? So, yeah. Uh, that was that was a bit stressful, but we managed to get it here and uh, we got it sorted out. The
0: last really minute, thought. you'd be making cake pops, you know. Yeah, just <laughs>
1: yeah. There's some, we, we made a few of those as well in the end. Right? Yeah, we used to make those for for wedding favors as well.
0: There you go. Yeah. Well, oh, that's really cool. So, was there one thing that you really enjoyed making the most? Um, chocolate, or yeah. was it cakes more? Or?
1: I I enjoyed making the chocolate, and believe it or not, the the reason for that, it was uh, more of an engineering job than than anything else. Uh One of the things that I did make uh, was, I was uh, up in uh, Lossiemouth, which is more or less next door to Elgin, where we we were based, is a big RAF base. And uh, they had a function, and uh, at the time they had... uh, um, Jet, the jets that they had were, uh, um, I, can't, I can't think of the name of them, what, what they? Hurricane Jets. Oh, okay. The one. They had Hurricane Jets, and they asked me if I'd be able to make one out of chocolate. Mm-hmm. And um, and you said, so, of course, and, I can, and, I can and do I said, it. And, and like a, any good self-employed person, you're asked the question and the answer is yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go away and think, how on earth am I going to do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and so this thing was going to be like it was uh, going to be around about um maybe just over 2 thirds of a meter long. It was a massive thing.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Uh and it had, it it where it weighed about it had about 10 kilos of chocolate in it. In That's
0: insane.
1: Um but how do you make a model of a, of, a, of a fighter jet?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it
1: most things you do with chocolate, you do you put it in a mold and it sets in that mold and that decides. You
0: didn't have a fighter jet mold.
1: We didn't have any mold for a for a fighter jet that was that like that big. I did have one for a mold for a fighter jet, and it was about maybe five centimeters long. <laughs> it wasn't quite the, the table center thing that it was uh, that we were after. So um, I had to construct the idea of how to make it, and uh, believe it or not, I I made it. Um, uh, by by utilizing things like uh, uh, pipe work that you would make use for uh, for making drainage and things like that, wow. uh, and I would line it with uh, food grade acetate, and then uh, I, so I would make that uh, the the uh, tube that I've made, cut the acetate so it was just the right size to fit inside it, put the acid, put chocolate on the acetate slide it into the tube, let it expand and whatever around it. Then you could pull the acetate out of the tube. Once it had set, it would make you a circle and make you a tube of chocolate, basically. Oh, my goodness. And then, um, then I say, it was an engineering thing because each of the wings for this uh, particular thing were, uh, weighed in the region of about two and a half kilos. So you couldn't just glue it to the side with a <laughs> bit more chocolate. You couldn't glue it to the side of the fuselage. Um, because it was just far too uh, far too weak to be able to support it, so we ended up drilling through it and uh, putting uh, dowels through it and ta- drilling into the cho- chocolates uh-huh. that made the wings and literally assembling it like an engineering thing. <laughs>
0: That's crazy.
1: But uh-huh. at the end of, at the end of it, we it took me just over three weeks to make it.
0: Wow! And
1: um, it uh, was a table centre at one of the RF, RF, um balls. That and uh, they had, a, had this is a center, centerpiece at their table, and they had a, a massive meal and a big dancing thing after that so uh,
0: that is crazy well, so when you're making it though did it did how long i mean did the the amount that you made from that like pay off for how much time, or was it more just because it was something
1: it was a bit of a challenge uh, it was a bit of a lost leader in in some ways it, uh, if I' had charged the actual time it took. Um,
0: it would have been the mo- it, would, it would have it been would
1: the have price been, of a jet uh, <laughs> yes it, it probably would have it'd been cheaper buying a real one really. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah for charge the, the price of the, of the timing talks I wanted to do it, and it was a lost leader uh, the cost of materials and it went away into the RAF, and I did a uh, lots, lots of other things for the RAF, which did pay uh, sensible money
0: well that, that i mean sometimes uh, in business you, and I know you obviously know that you have to uh, do things that maybe don't pay, but you're also advertising and making connections and yeah, you know, so. and, and actually learning on the job. It sounds like you learned how to make a jet. Yes, know. I did. So did people eat it?
1: They did. Yes, uh-huh. at the end of the at the end of the meal, that, that was it was broken up meat.
0: Wow. Was it? Yeah, was it, Were you excited that it was broken up, or were you kind of sad?
1: I was. Uh, well, it was that sort of store. It was chocolate. Yeah, eat, isn't it? that's good. Well, I guess well,
0: it would be really disappointing if, after it all, everyone left and then you were left with that much chocolate and you can't yes, eat all of it. Yes, very much so. And you're like, no, eat the chocolate.
1: Well, the, the thing—the thing with chocolate is, if as um, uh, so long as it's within its sell-by date, you can always melt it down and make something else for
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> make you know a lorry or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe, not. maybe not. No. Uh,
0: do you have pictures of that?
1: Uh, I did have pictures of that I don't have them anymore. Oh no! Uh, that's a, that's a, a big loss of, uh, of mine, to be honest, because uh, I did have pictures of that, but uh, uh, for various reasons, I no longer have
0: those. those oh sort man, of things. that's a bummer. Um, yeah, because we have uh, are on the website. I have show notes, so um, if maybe you can send some of those uh, cake pictures over, and I can put them up. For yeah. People. Okay. And you I, still I, you still make cakes, right? So if somebody in okay, the
1: occasionally, I made one for my next door neighbour, and I I did one for my I now have nothing to do with um, with chocolate really. I I'm a site manager at the school now. I don't mm-hmm. so I don't do music, I don't do chocolate, don't do anything. <laughs> I do everything instead. <laughs> you traded um, it in, <laughs> and so uh, but my the head of catering at the at the school had seen some of the photographs I've done of cakes. And she asked me if I'd do her wedding cake just about 12 months ago.
0: Uh-huh. That,
1: so I did that for her. And I did a christening cake for uh, the, the next door neighbor here. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're the only cakes I've done since I moved back down from Scotland.
0: Wow. So if this goes out and there are any listeners in the Manchester area, they can call you up if they need a cake.
1: Well, that's it's, it's not quite as easy as that because I would then have to register with the local authorities oh, right. for people to be able to okay. do that. Okay, no. It, the, the work I could do I did at school for uh, for her uh, I could do in the registered kitchen over there you see so oh nice, nice. Okay.
0: yeah so no no jets or cakes sorry people no,
1: no sorry it's not it's not happening anymore right?
0: <laughs> well that's pretty amazing and the odd, uh, just, the odd just
1: Christmas a... present I might, might do the odd Christmas present that's all
0: there you go um, my or just one other question so you're talking about transporting wedding cakes how did you get the um, jet to them? actual venue
1: uh i got it Got it there in pieces uh, yeah <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and assembled it while i was there
0: so you had to like drill the, the holes there or were they already uh, drilled
1: no i i would already i'd already had it assembled at, at the shop so i knew i knew that all the doweling and everything was working okay. but it was too big to, for me to take in the car yeah. as it was um Fully assembled. Plus the fact I didn't want to uh, to overstress these dowels. Yeah. So I took I took the wings and whatever flat on in the bottom of a box, and then I took the fuselage in another box, yeah. and the landing gear and whatever was all uh, all done. And then it was basically a half a day's assembly job when I got it. There. Oh man.
0: yeah, that's a, that's pretty intense. And um, is it pretty sturdy, or were you worried that it's going to break? Is it more sturdy than was, a cake?
1: It was sturdy enough. I was quite happy. Yeah. Uh, the only thing you have to, have to uh, bear in mind is that um, chocolate get, becomes a bit unstable when it gets warm. Yeah. And when you've got a couple of hundred people in a, in a room, oh, no. uh, even, even without any heating on, it tends to get warm. So yeah. I was a little concerned about it, but I'd made it uh, a cons- uh, like a, a considerable structure. Yeah. Uh, so it shouldn't have. Of uh, course, it's any hassle really. I mean, in the event it didn't. Oh, good. Um, and because uh, chocolate always tastes better if it's at room temperature. Yeah, that's um, true. So uh, um, it would uh, it would be be better and taste better if it were if it was slightly warmer than, than it would be if it was chilled. Um, but luckily, the the place where where it was 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 in an air conditioned place anyway, so it wasn't was never going to get too warm. That's good. So that was okay That was
0: okay. But uh, yeah, it was a good. It was a good little project. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I wouldn't. I think if somebody said, "Could you do that?" I th- I would say yes, and then I would go cry. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do it. it Much been the few tears along
1: the way. I don't know, <laughs> didn't say there wasn't. That.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess you learned from it, though.
1: Yeah. You know, you yeah, and you can put those sort of. Uh, uh, lessons you learn then in doing that sort of thing into something else when you're doing that further along the line. Yeah. You might not be making another one of those, but the, the technology that you, you've developed to be able to do that uh, helps you for, with doing other things too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow. So now you are not working, like you said, in either of these. You're you're uh, overseeing some schools, right? I am, yes. Yeah. And do, have you been enjoying that work?
1: I love it, yeah. it's good. It's very, very varied. I don't know um, when I go into to work in the morning what I might be doing. Occasionally, I oh, more than occasionally, I quite often throughout a the week there will be planned meetings with various people, uh, either in in the school or in, indeed outside contractors or uh, the local planning department or things like that. But I don't necessarily know what jobs I'm going to do where where until I get there. Wow. I don't have any prior warning. Of it. I could. <laughs> I can end up uh, doing something quite technical uh, in the IT, on the IT system or I could end up uh, literally with my head down the manhole trying to sort of drain out.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So it,
1: could, it could vary for, uh, literally that far.
0: Yeah, you got to be ready for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And um, have you enjoyed that kind of switch in um, work or do you miss some of the, the other things uh, you've done? No, I, I, I've
1: lo- I've loved every job I've done. Uh, I've I've loved doing it, um, and I I don't believe that uh, if you don't like what you're doing all day, you shouldn't be doing it because uh, it's uh, a good, well over a third of your life, really, mm-hmm. if you think about that. And uh, if you if you're doing something you object to, you don't like, you don't want to do, for a third of your life, it's it, I'd consider it a bit of a waste. Yeah, um, and so the jobs I've done I've really enjoyed, I, and I haven't selected them particularly. I, I started off in the electrical engineering, moved on into sound, moved on into teaching. Yes, I've sort of done the progression. It's not a natural progression, is it? <laughs> when you think about it, uh, that you've uh, you've ended up uh, from electrical engineer to a Um mm-hmm. and then you've uh, you've gone through teaching along the way. Um, and now I'm at the other side of teaching where I'm actually facilitating it rather than actually teaching. Yeah. So it's not a logical career progression, but I love every minute of what I do. That's good. And it makes getting up in the morning uh, a, a, something that isn't a chore. And you don't, I don't mind going to work and I don't mind spending my day there. And, and my hope is that, my, that what I do at, uh, at work is beneficial to the company uh, beneficial to the people I work with, and also beneficial to the kids who we're trying to educate.
0: That's cool. Wow, well, that's a that's a good uh, motto to go into all work. For, like you said, um, and it's interesting that you say don't don't do what you don't want to do if you don't enjoy what you're doing. Maybe find something else.
1: Well, it, it, it's a um, it puts a. Puts a hole in your life if if you don't enjoy your work, doesn't it? Because yeah. as I say, there's so much of it uh, of your time that is invested in that, and if if you don't like what you're doing, it just leaves a, a big hole in your life. Yeah. And life life is here to live, and life is here to uh, to enjoy, and uh, to make my life happy, to make the people <laughs> I'm with happy, and to make um, my friends and my family as happy as I can make them as, as well.
0: Yeah. Well. Um... Do you see yourself, uh, do you see any new career moves that you, you can imagine I'm coming up? Or? Else. <laughs> yeah. I'm not planning on
1: anything else.
0: I'm
1: not planning on anything else. There is, uh, um, as I, I hinted before, I, I, I am a Christian, and I uh, I do believe that um, if if God was to, to tell me that he wanted me to do something else, I'd be willing to, to get up there and go and do it. But as it stands at the moment, uh, I've uh, recently got... Uh, Uh, Married to a beautiful lady, and uh, um, I'm enjoying every minute of my life. Uh, She uh, has come back from Poland after uh, spending two years over there, serving the Lord over in in Poland. And we're just waiting to see what God wants us to do next.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, it was such a good, uh, such a fun trip visiting with you and and kind of seeing where you um, live and work and kind of your your normal hangout
1: and yeah well, uh, it was good to, it was good to see you uh, as you said right at the beginning of the time um you and your uh, your uh, am i allowed to say your name yeah uh, yeah you and the editor was uh, were, were very uh, good company to to be with and knew you far better than i did uh before you got here because uh, she spent time with you over in poland Uh, And I'd met you a couple of times, but literally that was just at the end of something, in a group situation or whatever. And um, it was good to have you over here and spend a few days and get to know you a little bit better too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I know I can't tell anyone to, you know, call you if they want cakes and I probably shouldn't volunteer your uh, house as a as a bed and breakfast, but you got a five star review as we so, were joking. Darling,
1: you're, you're, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> I had a fabulous, fabulous time with you both. You really, with a boost I needed. Oh. And you honestly, you don't wait Will summer if you don't want to. Come anytime.
0: Honestly. Oh, thank you. See? There you you're go. are welcome anytime. That's awesome.
1: Uh, there's your invite.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, I appreciated it and appreciate um, your time and just sharing um, your life and your work with us today. Yeah, and so do you have any advice for somebody who's, you know, out there, they've graduated, they're trying to figure out what they want to do? What is your your, uh, work and life advice?
1: My motto in life is there's no such thing as failure. There's just people who give up too soon. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe you can. You can have setbacks along the way, and that the person who invent, invented the light bulb probably didn't get it right first time he tried it. It's but true. He didn't. He stuck with it, and he stuck with it, and eventually he got this light to come on. And uh, there's no such thing, thing as failure. There's people who give up too soon. Hmm. If you want to do it, and you feel you've got the skills to do it, and there's there's only you that can stop you doing it.
0: Hmm. That's good advice. That's a good motto too. So, uh, with that, everyone out there, you know, get out there and and keep working hard. Don't give up. Persevere. That
1: sounds a good idea to me. That's that's my motto in life. Isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. And, um, if, yeah, if you send over some pictures of, um, really anything, uh, some of your work, you can even send a picture over of, you know, a drain now your current work, (laughs) or you can, (laughs) and then you can send some cake pictures, you know, we'll have a whole variety and some, maybe some wires or, you know, some, something from the days.
1: Microphone and speaker. There you
0: go. We'll just have every, every, every part of your work that you did. (laughs) represented that was in <laughs> That would be great. Well, thank you so much, and I hope you, you guys enjoy your evening. And thanks for being on the podcast. And for all those listening, uh, please check out the show notes at thatinternationallife.com and uh, share with uh, friends if you enjoy the podcast and rate it on iTunes. That would be really helpful. And you can listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts through the RSS feed. And so thanks so much, and um, until next time... Thank you so much for being on, Kevin.
1: Thank you.